For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's two up top this evening, but it's my most trusted two of all. And that means leading the line from the front around the captain's armband is Carl. So Carl, I hope all is well, mate. How have you been this past week? Yeah, it's been a much better week, hasn't it, Dan? You know, a couple of really solid wins. Um, and it's amazing how those wins can can quickly turn your mood around. Um, so looking forward to getting into this one and having a quite positive podcast tonight, I think. Absolutely. And you'll be supported in attack by James. James, how have you been this past week? I hope the outlook is slightly better than seven days ago. Yeah, very much so, mate. Yeah, very much so. Happy to, to be talking about a Tottenham win for, for once. feels like every time I've been on the pod, I've... It's been after a loss. So, um, yeah, very happy to be back and very happy to be talking about Tottenham in a positive light again. Top man. Right, let's get the social media bits out of the way first so we can dissect last week and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Common You Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at CIS underscore COM. We're on all the major audio platforms, that's Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud. If we're not on one, let us know, we'll get it on there for you. And if you listen on Apple, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating. Right, let's get down to business. And that business will see us discuss two very welcome wins in a while. But before we do that, I want to start the show with a bit of Roy Keane. Now, he doesn't usually feature on this podcast, but I guess after his comments on Sunday, he'll have to. Now, between the three of us, we're going to try and make sense of that on-screen argument between he and Jamie Redknapp and work out whether it was just a lot of hot hot air or if there actually was some truth in those statements. So, Carl, I'll start with you. What did you make of Roy Keane's scathing Spurs comments? Yeah, it was very Roy Keane, wasn't it? Because he, he does like to kind of come on with them strong views and it's either, you know, it is either black or white with Roy, isn't it? There's no in the middle. Um, and to a degree... You know, I'm not going to say I completely agree with him, but obviously I can see where he's coming from. You know, I think because I think it's everything that we've kind of just said, haven't we? You know, in the fact that the squad's not good enough. There are certain players there that, you know, shouldn't be at the club really because they're not doing a job. Um, I think Roy just suddenly went from being, you know, oh, Tottenham haven't got a great squad, but then to suddenly everyone in it's rubbish apart from Kane and Son, um, even to the point where at one point, and I know he's slightly backtracked, but even when, you know, the likes of Regulon was put to him, just no, no, why Madrid sold him? And I think once he'd kind of got, he seemed like he'd got his mindset, didn't he? And he was just going to stick to that mindset because he wasn't going to be challenged. He wasn't going to be seen to be backed down. It's like, no, I've made it. I've made a call. I've said something. I'm going to stick with it now all the way through. Um, so I think there are elements of there's, there was a little element of truth in what he was kind of saying. Um, and it's, you know, because I say it is what we've all just discussed and what, you know, gets said on Twitter most days. But then I think he just went too far the other way because there are still some decent players in that squad. Um, so I thought it was interesting. I was glad to see, you know, I, I'd much rather see Sky have something like that on than the dull, boring sort of punditry that they have on. 
but yeah, I think Roy just tried to be the hard man. Roy, you know, I, I, I take no prisoners. And I think he probably would look back on it and go, oh, yeah, I was a little bit silly there. Like, you know, the sort of stuff of like, oh, you've only got to be able to trap a ball and you can yeah. play for your country nowadays. I mean, that was just a little bit too far to the extreme that I think most of us were probably sitting there going, Roy, you know, yes, some of us will agree with a lot of what you're saying here. But now you're just trying to go so far the other way. It's a little bit ridiculous. Um, and it was a surprise to see that, you know, Jamie wasn't having none of it, was he? Well, that was going to be the next point to James. Because let's be honest, Jamie Redknapp hasn't been known for being gushing with praise for Spurs since his dad got the boot by Levy. So did it surprise you, James, that our former midfielder took such a stance? Uh, not particularly. Just it was. It was just good to see somebody standing up to Roy Keane because you know Roy Keane he annoys me slightly in that he he I think he's he's kind of untouchable um he's got this this persona that he's going to say what he wants he's going to upset who he likes and no one's going to say anything back to him and I think when he when he's saying something as ridiculous as what he was saying um then I'm I'm really glad that the Redknapp did did stand up and and yeah I, could, I guess you could say it's surprising that it's Redknapp because he has been very anti-Tottenham but Anyone with with half a football brain was thinking the same thing um, as what Redknapp was saying back. In that, you know, Keane was saying things what like, you know, you, you you're a rubbish player if you don't play for your country and and things like this. And yeah, Reguilón isn't isn't a good player because Real Madrid got rid of him. It it makes no sense. And I I, I completely agree with Carl in that I think I think Keane was probably just trying to to play the pantomime villain. Uh, as he always does, and he kind of got called out, and and he and then he realised that he kind of didn't have any anything to back his argument up, and just kept on digging his hole um, a, a bit deeper. So um, there's there's not too much to read into it, if you ask me. Obviously, Roy Keane, he he makes his money from being that guy, you know, the Simon Cowell kind of on the on the panel, um, never happy, always moaning about something. Uh, for me, having him and Sunas in the same studio is is, is just just mind bo- mind boggling because who actually wants to to tune in and and watch these two old blokes just moaning about the state of football at the moment? Um, I'm much happier when they get the the younger, fresher, um, modern professionals on because you know people like Michael Richards they they understand what it's like in in this day and age playing playing football, being a footballer, and so they've got much more of an insight than the, the dinosaurs that, that Sky Sports have, have on there at the moment. And I'd, I'd love to, love to see Roy Keane being called out because, you know, he's one of these people who who loves to, to kind of spout, but then I guess he doesn't like it when when there's there's a bit of a backlash. You know, we all know those kind of pantomime villains. Um, you know, we know quite a few of them from Twitter. Uh, but, yeah, mentioning no names. Um you know, if you if you if you call call them out, then they don't like to be called out. And uh, and, and Roy Keane got called out rightly so because what he was talking was absolute waffle. So, Cole, obviously, from a Spurs point of view, from a supporters' lens, it obviously just looks like Roy Keane isn't saying nice things about our club, and we're getting our backs up. Do you think that the Man United midfielder or the former Man United midfielder, do you think he's encouraged to say these controversial, contraire comments by his employers, those being Sky Sports and the like? Or do you actually think he just constantly sees football through a completely different lens to everyone else? 
I think, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? I can imagine that Sky probably, in, you know, don't try to discourage any of those blunt and harsh remarks. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, there's conversations that go on in the background where someone might say, oh, listen, Roy, you know, you know, this is really good when you explode. So, you know, don't ever be afraid to go and give your real feelings here, um, as long as you don't really over, overstep the mark completely one day. Um I do think he probably feels like that because I think he's probably come from, you know, when we look at the generation he's come through, I think they were, if you like, probably harder pros, weren't they, in the sense that, you know, the modern pro, you know, the way the world has evolved now, you know, you you have you can't be as harsh as that. You know, I mean, when you look at his previous managers, Clough and, you know, Ferguson, you probably are looking at a guy that was brought up under a harsh regime. You know, we've all seen documentaries on Clough. You know, the guy wouldn't hold back, would he? You know, if he did something wrong, you'd get a bollock in for it and you'd get called out on it, you know, even hung up and punched in the face at half time because, you, you know, you gave a ball away. Fergie with the, you know, the famous hairdryer and as you can imagine what, you know, the way it was in that changing room. So I think, you know, he probably does feel like this, you know, if, if he was playing with someone like Aurier, I could imagine he probably would be almost wanting to fight him in the changing room because of the mistakes that he makes. Um, I just think, you know, like as we're saying, I think he picks a line and then I think probably his ego then says, I can't go back from this. You know, now I've kind of put myself out there as being hard line on this and this is my initial view. I can't then actually sit there and go, oh, actually, well, I suppose, yeah, if you reconsider it, you know, like when he's saying about the squad, wasn't there, you know, yes, we know, you know, Kane and Son are the main two players, but as Jamie Redknapp was what quite rightly saying to him, Toby Adeverald would get in Man United's team right now. Um, Regulon would get in Man United's team right now because let's face it, you know, Shaw or Regulon, who you're taking, obvious, easy answer to me. Um, you know, Ndombele, would he give Pogba a fight for his place? So if you looked at it, you could actually go, well, yeah, Roy, you know, we understand what you're trying to say. But I think if you look at it player for player, you know, the United side isn't that much stronger than the Spurs side. And there are a few players in our side that would probably give some of those Man United players a push for their positions. But as I say, he'd made his point. And I think that ego inside of him was then just like, I'm going to back this to the death. Um, but he did back down on the regular on point in the end and begrudgingly go, yeah, OK, yeah, no, he is a good player. Um, I just think it's Roy Keane being Roy Keane. But I do believe he, he does feel the way he says. I do think he is somebody who, you know, like the time when we played Man United just after the restart and he's saying he wants to punch the goalkeeper and wouldn't let him on the bus. I honestly do believe that if he'd been playing that day as Man United captain, if you had a you know a camera on the wall in the changing room, he would be saying those sort of things in the dressing room. Well, I'll stay with you then, Carl, because does the argument literally stem from the fact that Keane as a player would give absolutely everything. You know, his ideals and his morals were much higher than that of Jamie Redknapp. So is Keane perhaps using a different set of criteria to gauge players than Redknapp? And that's why they're having that falling out. 
Possibly, and I guess that probably helps when you know when you were playing for a side that were you know ruling football for as long as United were while he was there, um, and when you consider the sort of players they had, and you know they were players that would die for the shirt, wasn't they? And, and you know Red Naps come from that famous Spice Boys Liverpool side where it was you know everything needed to look pretty, but there was no nothing really hard behind it. And I think yeah, you know Keane has probably come from that background where excellence is demanded every week and nothing more will do. Um, whereas Redknapp maybe came through the system a little bit where it was like, oh, you're not feeling hundred percent today. Well, don't worry then, you know, don't, don't, don't put that last sprint in. Whereas, you know, United would go to the death, you know, even if they were losing. Um, and obviously, as you can see that, that, you know, it used to work for them because how many times did they get late winners or late equalizers? So I do think there probably is an element of that. You know, Keane is a, clearly a perfectionist. That's probably been bred in him from the managers and the clubs he's been at and the success he's had. Um, and that that probably is something that separates the two of them. Hence why there was, was the battle that went on this weekend. So, James, in terms of the comments regarding players that are underachieving, well, the squad collectively underachieving, is there an element that that argument is moot where we are in the season? That That's a kind of statement you can only really put forward at the end of the campaign should Tottenham finish eighth, crash out of all the cups, not win silverware again. You know, Are we too early to make those kind of sweeping statements? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because, you know, there's there's still a lot of positives to be to be taken from, from this season. Even, even when um, when things weren't going so well, uh, you know, last week, <laughs> for instance, um, you know, there was still quite a lot of people saying, look, there's a lot of positives. And, you know, we can say that we might end up this season. The, the top four is still very much within reach. We, we've been all been saying um, for a couple of weeks now, anyone who puts puts in a, a decent run of games um, is going to finish in that top four just because of the inconsistencies of the team around them. Um, plus, you've got to look at look at the injuries that have been sustained in, in other teams. Um, Leicester, you know, their their team's been completely torn apart. They they look like they could be in a little bit of trouble going forward now. Um, Liverpool have obviously had injuries, but you'd expect them to kick on now. United, you know, they they they're kind of faltering a little bit. So, if City are going to walk the league, the, the teams just below them are they're not they're not anywhere near that quality. And if Tottenham can put uh, a real good run of form together, then you'd expect that we can finish in that top four. Uh, in the same way, we might finish with with a with a Carabao Cup, and, and we're also still in Europe. We've got a good draw in Europe as well, so there's every chance that that we might we might reach the last stage of the Europa League. So it's way too soon to be making a judgment and saying that these players have have, have underachieved because there's every chance that they might go and they might do something special this season. Um, if it does get to the end of the season, we get we get spanked by Man City in the final. We crash out of Europe and we and we don't finish in in the top six of the Premier League. Um, then yeah, you can say that, that that we've that they've flopped and and they've 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 definitely underachieved. But you know everyone will be saying the same thing then. So it, there's a long way to go this season. Um, and I think our form has been so up and down. We've been brilliant in certain games. Some games we've looked absolutely amazing. Uh, and then in other games, we've we've looked like, you know, get the manager out, get the players out even. Um, so I think if we can find a happy medium to the end of the season, um, I think we could we could still be in with a very, uh, very successful season. OK, then the final point on the whole Keane debate, James, I'll go back to you. 
He also suggested that Tottenham are nothing without Kane and Son. Is that in itself something which is also moot? Because until the day where we don't possess Kane and Son, rightly or wrongly, we're going to be over-reliant on them. But with them being so talented, that's not necessarily the worst thing. It's not, you know, there's no point saying, oh, we'll get rid of them, get them out of the team, or we're going to be nothing without them. We've got them, so why not be good with them? Yeah. What what is the point in 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 that argument? What what is the point? You know, you, you take you take the two best players out of, or I mean, narrow it down. The two best attacking players out of any team in the league, and and oh, lo and behold, they're they're not as good. You know, you, we we're going to see it now with with Leicester. You know, you take you take Madison, you take Vardy, even you take Barnes out of that team. Their attack is not going to look as good. Uh, if if Liverpool lost Mane and Salah, uh, Mane, uh, Mane and Salah, that's difficult to say, then you know they're going to be half the team that they would be without them. So it's 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 an impossible thing to to predict because you don't know who who would step up to the plate. But also, what's the point in predicting it? We've got two of the best attacking footballers in the country, uh, and of course we're going to rely on them. Of course, if if players are on the pitch with them, they're going to want to give them the ball. And of course, the eyes of the world are going to be on those two players whenever we step onto the pitch. But they're two players that thrive upon that. If if Harry wasn't the, you know, the I don't want to say centre of attention, but if he wasn't such a talisman, then would would he be as good? And the same as Son, if he was if he was starved of the ball, if people weren't constantly looking for him on the run, he wouldn't be as good either. So. Look, if if you took the the two best attacking players out of any team in the league, they they would all suffer significantly, uh, us included, a hundred percent. We've seen that, but there's no need to debate it because we've got those two players. They're both firing on all cylinders, uh, and and long may it continue. Okay, let's focus on the field now. And Cole, just when you think Tottenham are done for the season, they have that annoying habit of just pulling you back in. And for a defensive team such as Burnley, they were pulled to pieces on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it was a really good performance, wasn't it? You know, and one that I have to admit, before the game, you know, the the way form had been going and, and the sort of team Burnley are, I have to admit, I went into it thinking, well, oh, this could be a real horrible game to watch. Um, you know, it... I, I wouldn't have been surprised if Burnley could sort of give us a real match and possibly, you know, even had us, you know, go into those last 10 minutes or so thinking, well, this could go either way. Um, but we just, you know, and what was really nice, and I think it's something we've said on numerous weeks, we've been notoriously slow starters. You know, either the start of the second half, the beginning of the game, we seem to come out the blocks a little bit sluggish. But this was a game where from the first minute you could see we were on it, you know, attacking wise, all those, you know, those front four were really on the ball, looking to make things happen. Um, And it paid off, didn't it? Because, you know, we got that early goal, which kind of settled the nerves. And then from there, we just went from strength to strength. And, you know, yes, Burnley obviously helped us because I don't think I've seen them as bad as that probably since they came to our place last time defensively, you know, where we tore them apart. Um, They obviously just don't like our stadium. Um, 
but they were really open and every time we went forward you kind of thought it's on here you know I could see us getting another one um we looked solid at the back so overall you have to say it was a really great performance and one that you kind of couldn't really see coming from the way we played recently um although you had the Europa League games you kind of sit there thinking yeah well the opposition we played there you know that was you know not a given but that's the sort of thing we could do to a team like that. Whereas, you know, Burnley, you thought this would be difficult. But, you know, that was a really refreshing performance. And one that I put a tweet out today saying that's the kind of performance, you know, you, I don't think any of us mind if that was the blueprint going forward. Play those sort of teams and play like we did Sunday. And then, yes, when you come up against the likes of City, Liverpool, those sort of teams, Man United, say... You don't mind if you then go a little bit more defensive and try to be a little bit cuter because, you know, we know those teams have got players and, and the teams that could really hurt us. But, you know, no disrespect to Burnley at that. But when we're playing those sides that we shouldn't be inferior of or scared of, we should take the handbrake off. We don't need those defence, you know, that amount of defensive midfielders in there that are just going to sit and protect We've got the key and flair players, put them on, and that's do the damage at the other end and win the games the way we did at the weekend. So, you know, hopefully, we'll say hopefully, Jose might be able to see, right, well, actually, that might be the way to go from now on because, as we've seen, we've got the talent to rip teams apart. So maybe there is a maybe there is two sort of tactics you can take here and let's hope we continue because if we can play like that again for the rest of this season, then as James said, you know, there is a chance that we can still make this a successful season. Well, James, people will say, well, it's only Burnley, but with the nature of football, you're not going to be playing Liverpool, Chelsea, etc. every week. You do have to play lesser teams, in inverted commas. So when it comes to that, these are exactly the games you need to win and win comfortably. Yeah, that's that's what we've been screaming out for all season. Look, we're, we're, not, we're not hoping to... To absolutely smash Liverpool and 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 smash Man City and and go out and play, you know, expansive all-out attack football. Um, not at all. Um, but we we want to play against these kind of teams with some kind of attacking intent. Uh, and I think the key to it was was getting off the mark early. You know, um, if if we allow these teams to to kind of frustrate us then we're only we're the masters of our own downfall because when we get frustrated that's when mistakes creep in that's where we give teams like that hope when they're when they're you know they they reach half time at nil nil and then they've only they've only got a nick a, a chance and and uh and they can get a goal so it's 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 frustrating that we haven't done that more often um but then again we've we've got some players who are who are really hitting form now so um, I, I'm not sure whether it's down to the style of play or, or, or whatever, but you know the players are, are clearly hitting hitting a bit of form, and, and and it's it's clear to see that they're they're using a bit more of their initiative. You know, this, the second since the second half against West Ham, um, well, I mean, which was when Gareth Bale was introduced. Whether that's a whether that's a factor or not, you can see that the players are are trying to be. Um, a bit more on the front foot. They're they're trying to attack more. They're they're trying to be a bit more creative, and and we're having a lot less possession in our own half and in, in the midfield, and we're getting it forward a lot faster. Which, which to me, it's is is a much better way to play when you've got the 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 footballers that we've got in our squad with the the pace that we've got up front. And when 
when we're hitting teams on the break, they 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 can't handle us. And and hitting teams on the break doesn't necessarily mean that we have to defend for for ten minutes to to attack. It just means that we when we move forward, we have to move forward quickly. And uh, and and to me, that that should be the, the the blueprint for how we go into games like this for the rest of the season. It's not going to be as easy as it was against Burnley for the rest of the season because, you know, it's been mentioned Burnley were really poor. I thought I thought they they if they'd done their homework they they could have defended against us better. There were there were a lot of things in 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 that game that that if if Burnley had looked at, looked at how how we the, the players we've got even and how we want to play they could have they could have dealt with it better but they but they didn't. Um, but this has to be has to be how we go into every game now. We can't expect it to be four 0 But as long as we're we're showing the intent that we showed against Burnley, then I think you'll you'll find that the fans are going to be happier, uh, the players are going to be much happier, and 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 that means they're going to be uh, they're going to be much better on the pitch. Cole, if you were dabbling in the manager's stock market over the past couple of weeks, your stock in Jose Mourinho might be a bit low. But after the past week, there might be a small dividend to recoup. Yeah, you know, I think obviously. I think when we said there, Dan, you know, it was only Burnley. I think people have to remember as well, like as you say, it, it was only Newcastle. It was only Brighton. It was only Fulham we were playing. And we're struggling against those sides. So, you know, Burnley, you know, regular Premier League team, no pushovers. So, you know, we have to take some credit out of that performance. You know, this is a Burnley side as well that have got results against Liverpool this season. So, you know, it, it's not just Burnley. But as you say, you know, Mourinho, hopefully, as you know, whether or not he's stumbled upon this, um, I think we all know he doesn't know his best team. And, and I think that was said at the weekend as well on Sky. And, and they're right. He doesn't know his best team. I think he's still trying to figure out who his best defensive pairing is, who he wants to, you know, play behind the front, you know, free, if you like. But we did see in those last two games that he sent a team out with a little bit more intent and a little bit more, right, OK, yeah, let's that, take the reins off here a little bit. Now, the opposition have helped. So I guess, you know, we still yet to see what happens when we possibly come against one of those big, those big six sides. Um, you know, we still saw in the West Ham performance, it wasn't really good enough till, this, you know, late in the second half. Um, and again, you maybe think that game, you know, Jose brings Bow on in that game and we see the difference. We see the way we ended that game. So you just got to hope that those these last sort of two and a half performances have actually made him realise, well, listen, actually, maybe the key here is I'm trying to be over defensive. But when you haven't got defensive players that can do that, well, then actually the best form of defence there is attack because I know I've got great attackers in my squad. So actually, maybe we actually need to be on the front foot. We need to be in their half more often. And actually, where I'm trying to, you know, fill so many gaps at the back, the game is made easier by letting my forward players and my attacking team do what they need to and win us the game that way you know the set we saw in the second half against Burnley I think you know we came out in the second half and there was a little point where you thought well I don't see us actually going for more goals here because we did seem to take our foot off the gas a little bit and then that but you don't mind if you free up I don't mind seeing us take your foot off the gas a little bit at 3-0 because the game should be done um, unless you go kamikaze like the West Ham game that time. But most games at 3-0, you should be able to see out if you don't do nothing stupid. And then obviously we still managed to find a great finish to get the fourth. So that's hope, Jose. He might have stumbled upon it. 
But that's hope he's finally seen, actually, this side's a better aside when I just let them go and attack and do their business. And actually, we'll probably win more than we do trying to be, you know, the low block defensive team. So, James, if an early goal is pleasing, and boy, do we need that, solidifying that advantage is perhaps even more so. And with Bale getting the opener, he then turned provider with an excellent long ball to Harry Kane. Admittedly, there was some fortune in that goal, but to be honest, fortune is something we've been lacking as of late. Yeah, and, and like I said before, you know, moving that ball forward quickly, it means that the, the Burnley defenders were scrambling the whole time. Look, if Harry Harry could have done a number of things, um, you know, he, he could have he could have slipped Sonny through. He he could have. I I literally the first thing I thought was that Nick Pope's right hand side was was wide open. Um, that near post was was absolutely gaping. So I think Harry had he, had his eyes on that that area anyway. Um, what you know the, the the deflection you could call it yeah a little bit fortunate, but um, the move in general was was really really good. That's that's. And that's a Gareth Bale that's absolutely flowing with confidence, and that's that's something that we didn't even see um, during his time at his first time at Spurs. You know, we I don't I I can't seem to remember a time where he where he played a pass that good. Um, so you know, that's he's shown that he's become a a better footballer all, all round with the experience. Um, you know, that's that's something that I feel like he he can use. You know, back in the day, he might have. He, he might have gone on his own and, and dribbled that ball. Um, and yeah, he might have moved up the, the pitch a bit quicker than he, than, he had, than he does now, but that pass was as good as anyone. So um, really, really positive vibes and, uh, and great to see Harry back on the score sheet. I think that's, that's a really, really important thing is that Harry's his, his numbers are really creeping up again. You know, there was all the talk at the start of the season about his assists, but, um, but the guy just can't stop scoring again, which is, which is great to see. So, Carl, considering Burnley are known really as a long ball team, well, the poster boys really, what did you make of our largely direct style on Sunday? It certainly proved dividends against Sean Dyche's men. Does that tie into what you want to see in terms of the sort of more free-flowing attack? Can you have that and the long ball element? I think there are times where you can mix it up, can't you? I think, you know, obviously everyone would love to see the sort of Pep Guardiola football, that you know, the tiki-taka Barcelona type football when they were in their heyday because it is pretty to watch, isn't it? You know, and when it all comes off, you know, one touch, tiki-taka all the way up the pitch and you score a goal... It's the ultimate, isn't it? You know, that that is the ultimate form of football. Um, but football doesn't work like that. You know, you've got to play to your strengths at times. And if, you know, given the pace we've got in the team, if sometimes it just takes a guy, you know, sticking a long ball over the top to, to add to the wide positions, then I'm all for it. Because, you know, you've you say you've got to play to your strengths. If teams are not going to do their homework and they're going to come and give you that option, then you've got to take it. Um, but it is just a case of mixing it up, you know, keep the ball at times when you need to keep the ball. And then if there's a break on and it takes a long ball to get you there, well, then so be it, you know, because that's why there's nothing better than seeing one of those hoddle type passes is there that's, you know, put, you know, spinning on a 5p um, 60, 70 yard Hollywood pass, because if it comes off, it looks brilliant. So. I think, you know, I thought, say, Sunday for me was a really good performance because we kept it when we needed to. We didn't do nothing stupid. And then when the opportunity to break there was on, we took it. And, you know, Harry's goal was the prime example, wasn't it? Because that ball from bow over the top, you know, people might go, oh, a long ball. Well, listen, if it results in a goal, I don't mind how it gets there um, as long as it gets there. So, yeah, for me, 
we've got you know we've we've got those players where we can break that decisively we've got good quality pass well we've got a couple of good quality passes of long balls in Kane and as we saw Bow do there so it, it, if that's how it's going to be I've got no qualms especially when you're winning games 4-0 so James, Lucas Moura's inclusion at the start of the game may have turned some heads after Deli Ali's impressive Europa League showing in midweek. A goal for the Brazilian, one that probably keeps him in the team for a couple more weeks. But with the formation that took to the field, is the Prem return of Deli Ali coming soon? Um, I, I wouldn't say soon. Um, no, um, I, I think as you say, Lucas, um, Lucas's goal and I, I think his, his all-round general play wasn't too bad. Um, this week and and Delhi, I don't think he 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 really created too much when he came on. He had that you know that one good touch that set up the counter attack, and it was at a point of the game where uh, where there was a lot of gaps to be exploited. Um, so I, I I can't see anything changing in the immediate future. I think if if things keep going the way they're going and Delhi keeps on getting better and better, then hopefully because it's it's what we all want to see. Um, and and Lucas coming off the bench would be would be a great injection of energy. Um, but I, I can't see Jose take uh, changing uh, changing much because especially with Lucas on the on the score sheet, um, I think he likes someone with a bit of pace in that position. Uh, he's 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 tried Steven Bergwijn in that position as well. Um, I think for me it, it shows that 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 position is potentially up for grabs and and I, I hope that that obviously Delhi t- takes takes this opportunity now and and also I hope that that La Celso is is watching as well because I think you know if he's a, he's a player that if he gets fit and and gets back into this team that he can make that position his own um he can be that number 10 and uh, you know he's he's a player that that can can cer- certainly do a lot for us it can help unlock defenses especially when when teams are going to shut up shop against us so that that for me is the one position on the pitch that's up for grabs at the moment, um, and if if it's between Delhi and Lucas, it'll be it'll be a good battle. Um, but for me, I hope Gio is watching uh, and and he's he's licking his lips at the at the chance of of making that position his own. Well, when you think about it, there's probably four contenders for that position: Delhi, Lucas, Lamella, Lacelso. It's almost like the house of broken toys at times, Cole, because no one can really make that position their own. Yeah, no one's been able to put a consistent run together, have they, where, you know, you kind of go, well, actually, you just can't drop this guy. Um, you know, I think we was always going to have a situation, wasn't we, where it was either going to be Bow or Delhi starting this weekend. Um, I think Bow has probably, probably shown enough to probably get a nod in that game. Um, but again, you know... We, and it is true. No one's really making it their own. I mean, Lucas had a chance to really nail down a position this weekend because he, yeah, you know, he's such a frustrating player, isn't he? Because he can have moments where suddenly he spins and breaks away from two or three players, and you think, oh my god, this was brilliant, and then all of a sudden he fluff up a real simple pass, or like this weekend, he missed some glorious quite simple opportunities to begin with and you're thinking oh god and then he goes and scores the most difficult chance he gets all game um and I think you know you're just thinking well where's that come from because this is a guy who's just gone and missed two sitters really um and that's where he is very frustrating but as you say everyone who's had that run in that position has kind of done the same things you know Delhi's been given the odd game and although he's looked better, he still hasn't kind of sold it as, yeah, he's got it back. You know, I think we're going to see a burst on now. Um, so I do, as we say, I do think that position is still up for grabs. 
you know, we've got Lacelso coming back soon as well, so it'd be interesting to see where he comes into the mix. I don't think from what I've seen of him, he's a he's an attacking player that you play behind the front three. He's more probably someone who's going to play alongside um, Hoiberg. Um, and that might mean, that, again, Jose tries and Dembele further forward because he is a player that we have seen flashes from him where you think he's got a pass or a flick that can unlock a defence. So it, that position is really up for grabs, but no one has wanted to seem to kind of grab it by the scruff of the neck and say, right, this is now mine for the rest of the season. So it's going to be an interesting battle to see who finally gets a nod. Um, I still think, you know, I, I'm not sure if we'll see Delhi trusted enough to kind of play in that position regularly this season. I still think there's a bit of work to do there. James, another position which is up for grabs is right back. And it seems that Serge Aurier is winning it almost by default. What did you make of his showing against Burnley on Sunday? Yeah, solid. Um, I, I don't think he 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 did did too much wrong. Um, as you say, it's kind of by default at the moment because um, because Doc is it doesn't seem to be cutting it. Uh, and to me, I, I really want to see Tanganga at centre back, so I don't really want to include him too much in, in the right back argument, but. Um, you know, Serge. I think he he has benefited from from Doherty coming into coming into the the, the club, um, and I think you know he he didn't have too much to do because he wasn't up up against, um, you know, he didn't have too much defending to do, which is obviously his downfall. Um, so going forward, I hope he he can nail down that position and make it his own. Um, it's certainly a position I think we should be looking at here going into the summer transfer window. Um, but I, I think it's probably it's probably not a priority like it was before because of his upturn in form. I think he's shown that he can be um, a player that we that can pretty be pretty useful for us. Uh, sometimes it can be a little bit frustrating. His, his his final product certainly certainly something that needs to be worked on, especially when you know we do so much good work to and he and he is always in space. You know you have to you have to say he does always find the space. It's just what he does with the ball when he's there. Um, so hopefully that's that's something that can be identified and he can work on that in training, for instance, and 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 hopefully the assists will start flowing because um, we, we'd certainly finding him in good areas. It's just whether he can he can convert from from those kind of areas, um, but certainly not not as much as a priority as it used to be. Now, Cole, there was a lesser spotted good performance from Davinson Sanchez on Sunday. Now, in fairness to, to the Colombian, he did manage to deal with everything that Burnley threw at him. So. I guess a commendable performance if nothing else. Does that now mean that he and Toby are the flavour of the month in terms of a defensive central partnership? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, as you, as you rightly say, you know, to be honest, it was probably Davidson's best performance in about the last two seasons, to be honest. You know, he did look solid. Um, and, and let's face it, this is a Burnley team that with the likes of Wood and that in their side, you're sitting there thinking, well, they are players that can give any centre-half a game on their day. So... I think we did well. I think the one key thing is, you know, I think for me, Sanchez always looks better when he's got Toby next to him, whether it's that more experienced centre-half just leading him through a game, you know, maybe just, uh, listen, you know, drop back a little bit here. Um, I think that's what he kind of benefited from. But again, for me, I don't know if I still trust him um, week in, 
week out to kind of put that performance in. Um, I still think the jury's there. I, I'm with James. For me now, what I would have liked to see him for the rest of the season is Toby and Tanganga in those centre-half positions and, you know, just let them start building up a partnership and see how that goes. Um, but that save, if you're Jose and you've looked at that performance, I think in the next game you probably find it hard to drop anyone um, from a team performance that's that's done that. So I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see any changes from the Fulham game, to be honest. And I think we see the same lineup take to the pitch. And you couldn't moan at that, could you? You know, when you've just been as convincing and everyone's played as well as they have then I think you have to go again and, you know, let them guys go and see if they can produce it a second week in a row kind of thing. So, yeah, for me, I'd have no qualms if Sanchez started at the weekend. Do I think we now might see him become a more solid centre-half? The jury's still out on that one for me. Well, there's two points there. I think with Sanchez, he reminds me of Michael Dawson in the sense that when he had Ledley King holding his hand through the game, he looked, you know, fine. When he's on yeah. his own and trying to lead the back four as the kingpin of the, if you pardon the pun, of the back four, you think mm, it's a bit worrying. Also, in terms of Mourinho and the lineup for Fulham, if Sky and the like I say he doesn't know his best team and he may have stumbled across it by you know by hook or by crick on Sunday, then we'd all be tearing our hair out if he made more changes. So I think really, as you say, Carl, you've got to have a bit of cohesion at some point. You can't keep trying to experiment and chop and change. Like if you're going into the final third of the season. You need to have a team that you're fully confident in. Now, I don't know if we're there yet, but Burnley is as good a starting point as any. Now, hopefully, if you can build on that, get a couple of wins under your belt, things start to have a much different complexion. And, James, with that in mind, Gareth Bale is going to be integral to that final third. We have probably flip-flopped on this show. We've been guilty of that. We hold our hands up that sometimes he might be going, sometimes he's back in the groove, etc., etc. But it's been a, a tumultuous season for Bale, but it looks like there are cl- clouds starting to at least open up. So he's finding his groove and he also saved the best till last on Sunday. When you look at the goal, great work by Human Song again as they combine from the first and the last goal. But look at the replay, Bale doesn't even break stride before lashing home, does he? No, and I, th- I think it's 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 vintage Bale. It's something that he that every team should be wary of. I mean, look at his goal in midweek as well. You know, when he's when he's coming in off the right uh, he's when he's whipping that ball into the far corner, it's it's something he's done his whole career, and it, you know it's it's something that even though you know he's going to do it, you know, Iron Robin style, um, he still manages to to pick a to pick a gap. Um, I, I I know you say that we've we've kind of flip flopped in terms of bail. I, I've been adamant that we should give him a seven-year contract since the day that he uh, he came back to the club. <laughs> yeah, I just want that to be on record. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I, the the fact that it's working out now um, makes me a very very happy boy. Um, I, you know, it's the first time in a, in, in quite a while actually watching Tottenham um, this this weekend that I, I really really enjoyed watching us play, uh, and and it and it put a smile on my face, which is which is something that at the end of the day we all want. And whether that be because my one of my all-time favourite footballers is back at the club and, and he's playing well, or whether it's just simply that we're we're playing good attacking football. Um, it, I think it's it's something that we can all get together and say this is what how we want Tottenham to play football. If Burnley had grabbed a couple of goals, um, I, I don't I, I don't think we could have argued with it, and I think we'd still just be be just as happy right now. Maybe we'd be talking about Sanchez, but you know we'd we'd all still be happy. Um, 
but Bale is, as you say, is going to be absolutely integral to to the to the run into this season. If we can have one more player reaching the the goal and assists heights of of Son and Kane, or even just you know some kind of middle ground, because it's at the moment it's it's one or the other, or it's someone else has has got you know I think the next one is like I think Lucas has got about nine goal contributions now, but we need someone to be to be re- kind of reaching those heights just to take the pressure off those two a little bit. Uh, and if you know Bale, he's clearly showing signs that he can he can he can find the net. Uh, he he can play with these two players as well. That was is, is concern at the start of the season is is he going to be able to to click in in a system with with Simon Kane? Uh, and I think it's, he's shown that he he very much can. Um, and with with the games coming thick, thick and fast, it's really important that everyone hits form at the same time and everyone's firing on all cylinders. So that if that does mean that that Lucas Moura finds a bit of form and and has a lot of games on the pitch, then that that's fine because everyone has got a role to play. Deli Ali's coming back at exactly the right time, um, as ho- hopefully Lascelles will have a role to play before the end of the season. And and then you're really only looking at um, Stephen Bergwijn, who's who's maybe faltering in terms of form. Um, but everyone else, you know, is, is, seems to be hitting top stride, and 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 it's a good time of year for it to happen because we've got a lot of football left to play. We've got a lot of important games, uh, and it feels like every game at the moment we're talking about how important the game is. L- looking at Fulham this week, that's that has gone from a fixture that no one would have looked at at the start of the season to to now being a really important game because it's whether we can kick on. Uh, on this form, or, or whether it was a, it was a fluke, and we're going to go back to, to how we were before. And you know, Bale is he's going to have all eyes on him now. Um, this is this is where he's he's got to perform because before it was you know he's playing a bit part role. He had excuses that he wasn't fit. He had excuses that he he was only getting 10, 15 minutes at the end of games. If he's starting football matches and he he he's run out of excuses now and. and He's he's performing now, but he needs to needs to keep it up um, because, as I say, it's it's going to be really important that everyone everyone hits hits their form at the same time. Okay, let's move quickly to the the Europa League business now. And before we look back on Wednesday's Europa League outing, first I need to apologise because on last week's show I was referring to the game on Thursday, which shows how much research I've been doing as of late. But more importantly, I want to get you to and your thoughts on the draw for the round of sixteen. So, Carl, you're up first. What do you make of the pairing with Dinamo Zagreb? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously it, it, it's not a bad draw, is it? You know, it, it, when you look at some of the teams and that that are in there and that we could have got, then they were a team that you probably would have said, well, yeah, if I could pick two or three teams that I'd take, well, then, yeah, I feel, I'd feel confident we should get through against those. But I think it's one of them, you know, we you can't go into this game thinking it's as good as a buy into the next round because as we've seen with our form, we can be very patchy and we can make sometimes weaker sides suddenly look like prime Barcelona. So we have to take it seriously. Um, as we say, it is a favourable draw. Um, you know, I'd feel confident that we'll have enough to get through that, that game. But I don't by any means think it's going to be the sort of rollover that we've seen in the last few games that we've played. And we will have to take it seriously and treat them with the respect that they deserve. Because otherwise, you know, two-legged football can have a tendency to come and bite you on the arse if you don't take some of these teams seriously. So, favourable draw. But I think there was there was a few people acting almost as though it's as good as just, you know, getting a draw straight into the next round. 
Oh, absolutely. There's no freebies at this point of the competition. And James, what do you make of the news that the first leg has been switched to a home tie and days before the second North London derby of the season? Good news. Yeah, good news. Um, obviously, it was something that we that we struggled with for years when we were first in the Europa League, um, coming coming back from, from the arse end of nowhere to play a, a Premier League game. Um, obviously, the Champions League has, has been a little bit different. We haven't had to go quite as far afield, but... Now, now we're back. Um, now we're back in the Europa League, and, and there is always that chance of a of a hangover um, going going from these games, especially when it you know when it's Thursday Sunday. It seems to have a bit of an a, an effect on the team. So, hope, hopefully, this means that that we'll be fresh. Um, I think Jose he knows how important this game is. Uh, he's not going to take it lightly, and neither are the players, because you know a lot of the players have been here a long time now. They understand the importance of this game. Um, I th- you'd like to think that we had enough enough in the tank to to beat Arsenal, but it's one of those games that is a cliche, but anything can happen. You know, it's it's not necessarily the form team that takes it. So the fact that we're going to be we're going to be in the country, we don't have to do much travelling. Um, we can keep the squad together will be a massive, massive bonus for us going into this game. And, uh, yes, it's it's thanks to Arsenal that that's the case. So, uh, so thanks, guys. Yeah, cheers, Arsenal. So, Cole, let's focus on the second leg of the round of 32. If Sunday was only Burnley, Wednesday was only Wolfsburger, but for all involved, it would have been a morale-boosting win all the same. And what a goal by Deli Alley. Yeah, I, you know, and as we say, you can only beat what's in front of you, can't you? But... You know, what what could have happened that night was that we only won, say, 1-0 or 2-1 and it was a really scrappy game. And then people again start to go, oh, you know, we're making hard work of, of teams we shouldn't be. So the fact that we went out and we kind of put them to the sword and, you know, the job was done pretty convincingly, it is encouraging. You know, some of those players got a run out that they needed. They, they looked sharp. They played well. You know, Vinicius again scores two. I still say there's a question mark around whether he's Premier League quality, but at the end of the day, if he can keep popping up in the Europa League scoring goals, then long may it continue. Bow came in, looked really good again, and has continued that build up to where he's starting to look like he could explode again. And then, as you say, Deli Ali and his goal, that is a massive confidence booster because, again, it's a nice finish. It's a difficult goal. I felt he did well for most of the game. You know, there was some nice touches, some good football, bit of desire. And, yeah, as we say, we've got the job done and it's done convincingly. And it would have been a lot worse if it had been 1-0, 2-1 and people going, Phew, that, that weren't too clever, especially against that quality of opposition. So you can only beat what's in front of you. Um, but it's all about getting the job done and not having to use the key players like we always used to have to in them, in them games. Well, James, with the club now in the round of 16, is this the point where the... How should we put this? Europa League outsiders, that group of players, are told thanks for their efforts, but now the big boys in the squads are going to take it from here. Yeah, I think I think the squad's going to have to be managed um, in a in a more clever way. Obviously, uh, in the group stages and and against some of the teams, we've we've been able to to leave players at home and uh, and and hopefully get the job done. That's that's been the been the the objective. But now. Um, I think yeah, we we need to be taking these games a little bit more seriously, especially with the the top four not wrapped up. So it, this might be our only route into the Champions League. 
Um, but it's but it's all about man management. You know, we players like Hoybjerg who who are so important to the way that we play. Um, but he needs to be managed. You know, he he can't, especially like he, he picked up a, that ankle problem against Burnley, and I think all of us had our hearts in our mouths. You know. If if we lose a player like that now, it could be that could be our season. You look at as I mentioned Leicester earlier; they've picked up some really important injuries, um, and that could decide their season now. So it it could come down to which team manages to 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 rotate their squad and keep all their players fit. So uh, as as well as we need to be, you know, taking these opponents seriously, um, using using our our better players, we also need to need to remember that we've got a big squad and we've got a lot of football to play. So there's a lot of guys on the fringes who are going to need to, to pull their weight um, because you know, it might it might be that we can only play players for a half or we can only play players for an hour and then we've got to start thinking about the weekend uh, or, or start thinking about midweek. So yeah, I, I hope that, that Jose is, is going to be clever with his, with his management. Uh, I hope that we're not going to take any stupid risks Um but also, I hope that we, we take the competition seriously. So, yeah, I think we will be seeing the big boys. So, Carl, Carlos Vinicius chips in with a couple of goals against the Austrians. But, of course, there's still a question whether he's trusted in the Premier League. And if that is the real last opportunity for him to start, where do the minutes present themselves going forward? Yeah, uh, you know, as I know, say, I've I've said it a few few times on here now. You know, from what I've seen, I'm not so sure whether he's got the step up to the Premier League. Um and obviously, you know, the fact that he hasn't really got many minutes in there kind of makes you feel Jose feels the same. I mean, again, this weekend you might have thought was a prime opportunity at a certain point in the game to get him on and give him some Premier League minutes. But Jose still didn't feel like he wanted to do that. So you are looking, thinking, well, can I see him starting or being involved in many Premier League games to the end of the season? Not really. Um I think we are, he is just looking at, and as you've rightly said now, Dan, the later that we go into the Europa League, the more that the big guns are going to get started in some of those games. So I think you are now just, maybe he's just looking at the odd Europa League appearance as a sub, maybe, you know, um, and, and just trying to get some minutes that way. The only thing you might see that starts getting him some Premier League minutes is um, is is some big injuries, um, which we hope's not going to come because those injuries mean you know Son Kane or someone like that. So uh, you just pray that that doesn't happen. Unfortunately um, for him, he may have just you know those those two goals in the week might he might find that that's probably the last opportunity he gets to really get a good run out in the team and try to impress and score some goals because unless a game's really done and won um in the Europa League I can't see him getting a start um and I can't see he's not going to get a start in the Premier League that's for sure especially while we're still chasing top 4 and having to make the ground up because you can't afford to rest a guy you know if we were comfortably in there you might see some games where he could get a start so I think those appearances will become slimmer and slimmer now as the season goes on for him and James finally talking of going forward it does seem there's a line of attacking succession starting to formulate and at what point does the trajectory of Dane Scarlett and Troy Parrott begin to overlap? Yeah, it's it, you'd think it'd be pushing um, Troy on a bit. Obviously, he's, he's had to wait for a while now for his first professional goal. Um, you know, it, it, it all depends on, on how highly you rate the loan system. Um, 
obviously Scarlett at the moment is is at that stage of his development where he he probably is a bit too young to be going out on loan. Um, it, it's good he's getting good experience around the squad. Um, he he's learning off the best in Harry Kane. Um, but then you you do think you know Troy Parrott he he was flavour of the month not so long ago and he he was making his debut under Jose Mourinho and you know it, it it seems like he's been sent out on loan because he he's he's considered to be nearly there but we're we're not really hearing anything back in in the sense that you know he needs to be going straight into into the team or he needs to be coming back to Tottenham in in order to carry on that progression you know you'd like to hear the odd news story of, of how well he's playing at least or or the fact that he's chipped in with a goal um, personally I, I, you know I haven't seen anything about how Troy Parrott is getting on and I think that that speaks volumes for us uh, meanwhile Scarlett seems to be like he is the real deal um, he's a he's a it looks like he's, he's got all of the the attributes to be a really really good player it's just whether we can you know, do we keep him around the squad? Do or do we do what we do with Parrot and do we send him out on loan? Maybe, maybe aim lower, lower leagues. You know, I know Parrot is is in is in League One. Yeah. Um. Maybe maybe you go you go a bit lower and hope that they're going to get a bit more game time. Um. So it's it's an interesting one. Scarlett, obviously, I think he's he's too young to be going anywhere at the moment. His his progression needs to be through the development teams. Uh, and and he he will see the rewards, and he's already seen the rewards, and and you know that that's kind of dangling the carrot. Whereas Troy Parrott, we we really need to see him starting to improve now, and if he's going to come back to Tottenham, then he he needs to make a difference to to the to the team. Um, maybe we're a bit reactionary. Obviously, it's it's a bit soon to say that that either of these players should be uh, should be knocking on the door, uh, so to speak, but. It'd be nice to to see certainly Parrot, who seems to be that that little bit further along in his development. It'd be nice to see him uh, showing the signs that he he is he's ready to make that step up. Well, it's certainly interesting at Ipswich because Paul Lambert, who would have got Parrot on loan, has walked from the job. So obviously a new man's going to come in. Whether he takes a shine to Parrot for the last few months of the season or not, you don't know. It might be a good thing, might be a bad thing, and it might halt his progress. So watch with a little bit of interest at Portman Road, but that's for an Ipswich podcast because we've got the predictions to do. Two matches this week. We're only doing the funny one, one step at a time. So, James, what have you got for me? Uh, I, I, I think we're going to carry on in the same vein uh, as the Burnley game. Um, not quite as high scoring. Um, and I also think that, that Fulham are slightly better going forward. So uh, I'm going to go for a nice, still nice, healthy 3-1. Oh, very healthy, actually. And Carl, what have you got? Yeah, I think, you know, the confidence is going to be there. Um, Bow, I think, is going to be looking to get back going again, raring to go. I agree with James. I think Fulham at home might offer a little bit more in an attacking sense. So I'm going to go 2-1 this this game for me. Yeah, I was going to say 2-1. So I'm going to copy your homework, Carl. Matthew Baldwin, I know you listen sometimes. If you are listening, apologies for our predictions. But um, we do seem to do quite well at Craven Cottage. It's tight, but we seem to come out on top. So let's hope that is the case on Thursday night, which sets us up nicely for Palace on Sunday. And we'll review both of those games on the next podcast next Monday. Right, that's the admin out of the way. I just need to do the rest, which is thanking my two pod squad members. James, a sterling performance this evening. Thanks for joining me once more. 
Always a pleasure. Thanks very much again, Dan. Cheers, mate. And Cole, thanks for running the channels and wearing the captain's armband. As always, I hope you'll be with me next Monday. Always a pleasure with you guys um, and looking forward to getting back into another episode on Monday and hopefully another win to talk about. Fantastic. Well, hopefully too. But with that said, it just leads me to say that my name's Dan Tracy and as always, come on you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.